0: It is good to see you this morning, and I just wanted to take a moment and just focus a little bit on the sanctity of human life Sunday. Um, You know, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6 says, Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. And it's so good that we uh, have a gospel, a good gospel. And when you think about this presentation, this video that we just saw on each person has value, it is so good that God does value each and every one of us. And praise God for his goodness and love. The fact that we need to educate and uh, demonstrate the value of life in the womb really does reveal the, the impact that science falsely so-called has had upon uh, generations uh, before before us. And so in uh, 1973, many of you know Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade decision came. And then and what I'm calling infanticide uh, was made uh, legal for children, of course, scientific community at that time would say it wasn't a, a child. But we know that uh, life in the womb is a child. I mean, you don't have to have a rocket science degree to figure that out or be an MD. And so um, based on, on the, that erroneous Darwinian science, right, that children were nothing more than a viable tissue mass before birth, um, the lie was easier to propagate before the, you know, the advent of the electron microscope, and then DNA technology, and uh, all the available ultrasound technology that we have today—all these—all this technology really has changed the narrative quite significantly. And for about 30 years, the the, um, the abortion rate has gone down in the United States until 2000. And today, the uh, the, the true science, right, uh, that has caught up with the Bible and has found that. Uh, that the child's life actually does begin in the womb. And so by all reasonable medical metrics, we can now say that a child um, are children. They're people in the womb too, which is crazy that that you even have to make that, you know, a scientific argument. So last year during Sanctity of Life, Human, uh, you know, Sanctity of Human Life Week, we celebrated. And we haven't always been as forward. God has actually kind of pulled me into this Slowly, I was on the board of Life Choice Center several years ago, uh, and then um, I replaced myself with Linda Jones, and then uh, Carol Thompson uh, is now was, was then put on the board here locally on the, was what, what was Life Choice Center, and now is Shiloh, and um, now God has, has brought uh, Carol to the place where she's the director of that organization. And, uh, and so over time, I've really become more and more aware of it, but I've been acquainted with this for for many years, of course, as all of us have. And it was even when I was in high school, I was indoctrinated uh, accidentally. I became born again, of course. I was saved. And then as my senior year, um, I inadvertently, somebody got sick and and, uh, they were taking leaders of our class to a Planned Parenthood meeting. And uh, um, all the kids that, they, they, the counselor says, well, who do you want to, you know, who could go, who could represent your class because someone fell out sick and, and all the kids selected me, so I got to go to this event. had no idea what I was getting into until I got there. And, man, it was just basically about eight hours of propaganda on how you should, you should have as much sex as you want and abort kids when you, when you conceive. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm not, a, I'm, not, I'm not embellishing. I mean, it was really, really over the top. It was so much so that I came back, and uh, they gave us this uh, hat and then all this, this material that we were supposed to take back to our school and convince everybody how awesome um, Planned Parenthood is, and it was called Kids Need to Know, and so I just took that. I thought, kids do need to know. They need to know Jesus, so I, I just took that stuff and took it back, and I used the kids need to know you know, thing for Jesus because it was so over the top. It was so backward. It was so wrong. It was all about death. and it had nothing to do with life and so and and uh, and so that was my first taste of that, and then later on, of course, coming down here, God's got me um, in touch with this once again and so it's it's important that we take time and as a nation, it really speaks loudly to really a lot of different things, but it's a serious matter. Um, you know, this time last year, when we were celebrating it uh, we I took the whole service time, I'm not going to do that today, but I, I took the whole The whole Sunday. And that is, I think, the first time I've done that, where I just took the whole Sunday and just addressed that one topic. But uh, you know what was so cool about that is uh, the actual, I think the 23rd or the 22nd, I don't, is the date of the actual Roe v. Wade. But last year, on the 20th and 21st, we had two babies born in our church that are one-year-old today, or, well, this weekend. And so uh, Ruth, or Rumala, uh, born Trigger, uh, she was uh, born, little Ruth was born on January 20th of last year, uh, 2021, and then uh, in the same hospital, the same weekend, um, uh, <clears throat> Jared Nimley Amon brought little Myla Amon into the world on uh, January 21st of 2021. And I thought, man, how cool is that? Those are two children, of course, that made it, but statistically, 600 to 800,000 uh, children in America were aborted last year. And uh, that's staggering when you think about it. Statistically, uh, there's probably nine or ten women in this room right now uh, that have had an abortion or, um, or probably have been involved in, in that in some way. Um, and so I'm a little, I do want to be careful about how I, I say these things, because it's super painful if you have been someone who has had an abortion. Um, and so it was really neat for me, though, Friday night I got to hold Mila, for a good long time, about an hour or so, hour and a half, as mom played uh, volleyball, and uh, and Sella, that's how I celebrated her one-year birthday, and then yesterday we got to go down and see little Ruth as she had her first birthday party, and, and I was thinking about, you know, this, sanctity of human life, and I was thinking about just the fruit of the womb as God's reward, and how God has blessed our church, and those aren't the only ones this last year. We've had several other uh, births that we had, Hadley and Riley Barnes, and... uh and uh, we had Andrew Merrifield was born. Is there any other ones, uh, children this year, year old, that I don't know about? The Ingalls, yeah, Abby and, and uh, Chris Ingle, they had the baby girl, that's right. And so, how did I miss that? That is not in Shelby. We need to check on that. But, uh, yeah, so the Ingalls, anyone else that I missed? Are the Ingalls in the house? I don't see them. So, yeah, so it's a blessing. The the fruit of the womb is the Lord's reward, and it is a blessing Uh, to have life. You know, I was reading Breitbart and and, uh, a report from Breitbart, it sadly reports that the leading global cause of death in 2021, according to their statistics from World of Meter, was uh, it wasn't war and it wasn't famine and it was far, far, uh, far, far away from COVID. Uh, Not even close. Uh, They estimate that across the world there's a staggering 43 million abortions. That is the largest death toll on the planet in 2021. Uh, and then I think there's 3.8 million COVID deaths, which is a lot, don't get me wrong. I don't want to minimize it. But when you think about the contrast, that is massive. It's so much so that even the World Health Organization is starting to look at it and uh, I don't know what they're going to do about it, but uh, <clears throat> that's crazy. Uh, that's a huge number. And I was looking at the, that's I was looking just doing my math in my own my own uh, unscientific math. That's, that's equivalent to one sixth of 1% of the Earth's population gone in one year, boom. Um, that's a lot when you, if you figure the population of the world is 7 billion. And so, um, so that equates to also 43% of all human deaths in the world last year were due to this abortion. So when you compare that to, the co- to COVID that had the 3.5 million deaths worldwide, it's really staggering and um and again the estimates aren't exact they don't really know how many abortions there are but the conservative estimate would be 600,000 and uh and then there's like two major organizations one's the CDC and one is i forget the name Goppert or some other group and it's it's at 800,000 but between six hundred and eight hundred thousand. and 800,000 and so um praise god though it has reduced over the years uh, from what it was in the 80s it used to be uh, throughout the 80s and the 70s, there was over a million, you can go back and look at the stats, over a million children were aborted every year in the United States. And that is, that is a, that's my generation, basically. A lot of people my age aren't here because of that, millions and millions and millions. And so it's, it's really staggering to think about a culture of death like that. And so today, uh, over 64,000 babies have been aborted since 1973, or 64 million, I should say. Um, last year I ran the little click. You remember if I, if you were here, I ran the little clock on the screen. And uh, even though there is uh, refu- uh, irrefutable scientific evidence proving that life begins at conception, people are still choosing death. And uh, and though this is a spiritual problem, the reasons that often are chosen for, for choosing death are simply convenience. It, it's just a convenient thing. They, they don't want to be inconvenienced with raising a child or it could be financial hardships. That's been a that's been a, a a reason. A lot of people feel like they can't afford to raise a child, and there are a lot of difficult circumstances surrounding that. There's also serious relationship problems. Uh, someone in an abusive relationship. Uh, they don't want to have the child of their abuser, uh, which is a serious situation. Or uh someone's addicted to drugs, what have have you? There's also the issue of um, a young unmarried single lady or a rape situation. Those are reasons that abortions, you know, occur. And uh, and one of the other reasons is simply because people have been lied to. Uh, I know when I was young, uh, that was the narrative. It was, hey, man, whatever, it's their choice, it's their body, you know, and all of that. But scientifically, that's actually not, they found that's not accurate at all. Uh, that child has his own, or she has his own DNA, has their own blood system, different blood types in the womb. And uh, today they can do blood transfusions within the womb, It's a complete, by all scientific and medical definitions, that's a different, that's a different human. That's a different person. Uh, And so uh, that is a human. So uh, the lie that children in the womb are simply uh, cells, unviable tissue mass, right, that's been, that can be destroyed, um, has finally caught up with the Bible. Science has finally figured out that's actually not true. And there's a, there's a doctor down in uh, Florida named Dr. William Lyle, and uh, he is, uh, i 'm going to quote from a lecture that he gave at the University College of Medicine in Florida, and uh, he said this he says, "When does science say life begins? remember when uh, whenever science and the Bible don 't quite seem to agree, science is falling behind, and you just <clears throat> uh, give it enough time, and eventually science will catch up to what the Bible says because the Bible is always going to be correct. Science now can prove that we are now uh, or that we are new life at the moment of conception. God created a shield called the zona uh, placida. And as soon as the sperm fertilizes an egg, this shield goes up. There's an amazing uh, depolarization of zinc icons to make that shield. And if you look with the right frequency of light, there's a flash of light at the moment of conception with, with uh, mam- mammalian sale, cells. That is when life begins. And when we talk about this person in the womb, we need to remember that if they are a person, they have rights. The 14th Amendment says nor shall any state deprive any person of liberty, life, liberty, or property without due process. And throughout history, if you wanted to persecute one group, you would deny them personhood. We are getting to a point where the lie can no longer be told about children in the womb. Even the medical community says that all patients are persons. And if you're doing a blood transfusion, heart surgery, spina bifida surgery, they are a patient. And therefore, they are a person that deserves our protection. You've all heard the argument for abortion. It's my body. It's my choice. Well, half the time, first of all, that little body on the inside is going to be a a boy's body. But in any event, that's not going to be part of your body. Babies can have different blood types. They have completely unique DNA. They are a perfect mix between dad's genetics and mom's genetics. Mom is an amazing life support system, but this is not part of her body uh, there on the inside. So Dr. Lyle goes on in his, in his, uh, st- in his statements, very encouraging. I put it, actually the audio of it up on the website with this sermon, so you can find that if you want to hear the whole thing in its entirety. But there's no doubt that every child has value from conce- conception through birth. And unfortunately, uh, Dr. Lyle uh, went on to say that the RU486 abortion pill has become quite popular since COVID and the pandemic has, has started. Because of COVID, 38% of abortions were medically induced by the ru 480 before COVID, I should say, uh, 48% of abortions, uh, or I'm sorry, 38% of abortions were medically induced by the RU486 pill, but uh, it's also called the morning after pill, if you've ever heard of that. But now, uh, after COVID, 50% of abortions, so 50% of that 600 to 800,000 abortions in America, they estimate 98,000, uh, or 98 per I think it is per minute or hour, per hour in the uh, literature in your handout. Um, uh, Those are done with the uh, RU-486 pill. And that pill, by the way, is 98% effective. So uh, the chances of it working are very, very good if a lady wants to take that, making abortion very easy. Dr. Lyle has led a movement to reverse the curse of the RU-486 pill after it's administered, and he tells a story of a young woman during the pandemic, who traveled from Destin, Florida, to Jacksonville, Florida, to gain access to the RU486 pill after finding she was pregnant. so She was in a crisis pregnancy, and she didn't uh, want to have the child, so she drove—it's no short distance from Destin to Jacksonville— so she drove over there and uh, got a hold of the pill, took the pill, was on her way back down I-10, and as she was driving uh, back home to Destin from Jacksonville, she saw a sign, a billboard sign, and it said— Heartbeat starts in eighteen at eighteen days, and uh, she saw that sign on the billboard as she was driving, and it pricked her heart, her conscience, and uh, and she drove a little further down the highway, and then she saw another sign. After that one, that says, "Your mom chose life, you should too." And then she was convicted, and so she at the next rest stop, she pulls off the side of the road, according to Dr. Lyle, and she she. Uh, you know calls the hot she looks actually she googles she searches for um uh, remedies or uh, she you know to an antidote for the morning after pill she just looks it up on her phone and it sends her to a crisis pregnancy hotline and she actually gets a hold of dr Lyle and uh gets patched into him directly and he starts to talk to her and just so happens that uh, he has a way to reverse this and so uh and so he uh you know got on the phone and and dialed up a, a pharmacy near her and said, hey, I'll get you set up. And the cost was $109, and he, she didn't have it. So Dr. Lyle told the pharmacist, I'll take care of it. And uh, the pharmacist says, no, I'll take care of it. And so uh, it got taken care of. So her medicine, uh, the progesterone she needed um, to offset the effects of the ru 46 pill was prescribed, it was paid for, and uh, the baby's alive to this day. And so praise the Lord for that. And so... Um, and so, the, so Dr. Lyle goes on to draw the contrast between the cost to save a life versus the cost to save us. And uh, James has already done a good job of that in the praise this morning. You know, the cost to save that little life was only $109, but you know what? It cost Jesus a lot more to save our souls. And so it's really, it's really important that we understand that really the source and the real problem is with this culture of death is the fact that people don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Sanctity of Human Life Sunday is just a reminder that all human life is precious from conception through salvation. And God loves us, and he desires us to have a relationship with him. I hope that baby and that mom right, know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and I'm sure they shared the gospel with them upon receiving that medication as well. Because what it? it doesn't do us any good to save a baby, right, if we don't save the soul. And so if you're not saved today, if you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, the most important thing that you can understand today it's not only that babies in the womb are, are valuable, but that you're valuable to God and that, uh, and that you are, are someone that God finds worthy of saving. It's just a, it's a premise of the scripture. God is the, that is something that we understand, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so it's important that we make good decisions. And if you've never made a decision for Christ, you know what? Today is the day of salvation because the devil wants to abort you, not physically, but spiritually and physically, but ultimately we're all physically going to die. That's the, that's the effects of sin in the garden, physical death. But spiritual death doesn't have to occur. That occurs when we don't receive the gift of eternal life, and that's Jesus Christ our Lord. And he's way more valuable than a prescription at Walgreens. I mean, Jesus Christ uh, is the way, the truth, and the life. And he loves us, and he wants us to have a relationship with him. You know, statistically, 18% of women in this church, and churches like ours, have had an abortion. And that would mean that there, there could be 9 to 10, as I said earlier, here this morning watching or watching online who've had an abortion. And if you've had an abortion, I specifically want you to know that God loves you, right? And we're not up here judging you and saying, oh, what a bad person you are. I know there's circumstances. And, uh, and if you're dealing with the pain and guilt of abortion, you need to know that God has provided a way of forgiveness and healing through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's also part of the reason why I'm, I'm uh, bringing all of this to light uh, this year and this morning. Uh, because uh, we're here to help you. We're here to pray for you, to encourage you in the Word of God. And there's really two reasons, primarily, that that I took the time this morning to to focus on this. The first one is it's simply the right thing to do biblically. When when this is the leading cause of death in the world, right? I mean, hey, listen, I'm concerned about China. I'm concerned about Russia. I'm concerned about global war. Okay, those are things that are important. But man, when you think about it in the scope of actual death, uh, this is huge. It's eclipsing a lot of different things. And so the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 30 and verse 19, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have <clears throat> set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore choose life and both thou and thy seed may live. I mean, when we allow and we just let a culture of death go on unchecked, same on us, right? And, the, and so it's important that we, when we say something and that we get the gospel where it needs to go on time. Proverbs 8.35 says, For whoso findeth me findeth life, and shall obtain favor of the Lord, that he that sinneth against me wrongeth his own soul. And all they that hate me love death. There are a lot of haters out there today. And uh, I tell you what, guys, it's because they don't know Jesus. And uh, they're not our adversaries, right? They're they're really not. Uh, This world is at enmity with who? God. Yeah, vicariously, you might pick up some of that that shrapnel for sure, but the reality is this is a big warfare, and you and I, if you're born again, we've already been redeemed, so it's it's just biblically right that we say, look, this is a mess, and we have the solution, and the solution is Jesus Christ, uh, no matter what the problem, but secondly, I'm doing this because Carol Thompson, she is the director of uh, Shiloh, and uh, this morning she can't be with us because she's speaking in another church, praise the Lord, that's a great thing about this very topic. But uh, if you are someone who has had an abortion and you're dealing with the guilt and the shame and all of that, I just need you to know we have a lady here who's come out publicly and and said, I've been there and I bought the T-shirt. And uh, in a way, I'm kind of glad she's not here because it's a little awkward. She doesn't run around like with that, you know, telling everybody, hey, this is who I am. But it took a a long time. I, I was with her when she got saved. I've walked with her. And uh, it took her a long time to process through that pain, pain that occurred when she was in her early, you know, and she was just in her college years. And so um, just watching her process that first privately, and then she started, then she, when her children came of age, she told her family, and that's about the time God brought her on the board at Shiloh. And then she started working with other women who had gone through those things. And uh, she understands how it feels. She understands the guilt. She understands all of those things. And she also understands the conviction. And she also understands, most importantly, the forgiveness and the grace of God. The fact that it's all good with Jesus now. And so she is a great advocate and a great help to ladies in that situation. And I wanted to highlight that this morning. Because if it is a situation where you're here this morning, and I would not ask you to raise your hand and tell me, but you're one of those 18%. Man, I want you to know we got a lady right here in this church that would be happy to visit with you, to help you, to talk to you, She knows where you've been. She knows what's going on, and uh, we are not here to judge you. We're not here to say you know uh, the devil's got a hold of you and you can never be redeemed. Quite the opposite. God's well able to overcome that. And uh, and uh, like David, you may not be able to go to your child, but guess what? Or or you your child may not be able to come to you, but you will be able to go uh, to heaven and be with your children uh, by God's grace. So I just want you to know that. I want you to know that we're a church that loves you and uh, and that uh, God is able to meet you where you're at. So after the service, if you want more information about uh, this or the services provided here in Harrisonville by Shiloh, you can go out to the connections counter or the brochures out there. The brochures will be out there. You can also see my wife, Amy. She works uh, for the Shiloh Center as well, and she can represent them today here at HBF. Uh, we got three baby uh, seats here uh, that have been donated today, so that's cool. So If you want to donate to them or give to them, you can uh, find them on the web. You can get with Amy, get with Carol, and they will get you connected and directed. And so uh, thank you for just taking some time and letting me talk about that. I want to transition now to uh, our sermon this morning. Uh, So if you have your Bibles, be grabbing it and turn to the book of Isaiah, chapter 20, uh, 26, Isaiah 26. If you don't have a Bible, grab one from the seat rack in front of you. And uh, you can turn to page 900. And sixty one, nine hundred and sixty one, and you will be right where we are. You need to be for uh, the start of this message this morning. And you know the Bible tells us in Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now I do not have time this morning to lay out the vision for twenty twenty two or beyond. So what I'm going to do is just kind of dip our toe in the water this morning and and uh, do a little introduction uh, to our theme. I, I've I've noticed that several have already picked up on it. I introduced it on the, the first Sunday in uh, January, and uh, I can tell you guys are, are, are tuning in, many of you, so that's awesome. I'm encouraged in that. Uh, Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 is the theme verse for the year. This is our seventh year of rest, or our seventh year of planning at Heartland. We plan in seven-year cycles, so it's a year of rest, and uh, God laid it on my heart last year, probably about midsummer, as I was praying about where we need to be going. He led me to Isaiah chapter 26. And uh, gave me that vision. Because where there is no vision, people perish. When a mother sees a child uh, in a sonogram, that's one of the best tools to help uh, you know, pregnant women realize, you know what, this probably isn't a good decision for my child. Uh, and so what is it? They, they, take a, they take this gel, this stuff, and rub it all over their belly so they can get that wand. I don't, you can tell I don't know a thing of what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, they do their thing. And boom, there's an image, right? There's this child in there. And they're like, once they see the child, once they have the vision, you know what? It brings life, doesn't it? But when there is no vision, right? Out of sight, out of mind, you know what? It's easier to bring people to a point of death. And that's why it's so important that we have vision. Vision is really not our vision. It's a vision that's already been given to us from the word of God. God has given us a vision and he wants us to understand that. Vision is an important thing. And Uh, Personally, in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 33 speaks of uh, the watchman. I don't know if you've ever read that chapter, but it speaks of the importance of the man being awake and watching, the man on the wall, the watchman, and and that when he sees something, right, his eyes are tuned, he blows the trumpet so that others can hear, right? Vision is important to saving life. It's important to to, to having life. You got to understand who God is and that he's a rewarder then that diligently seek him. It is the difference between life and death. It's important as we near the end of this dispensation that we don't fall asleep on our watch. Right? We need to stay awake. We need to be vigilant. We need to be sober. We need to have our, our eyes up, aware of what's going on in the culture, aware of what's going on spiritually around us. We've got to have vision or people will perish. God has called HBF to be a church that is faithful to accomplish the mission. Many of you know our mission statement. Can anybody recite our mission statement? Just make me feel happy. Stand up loud and proud like you're in the army and just say it. Okay, now I'm really depressed. <sighs> no, I'm just, I'm just giving you grief, kind of. Okay, so here's, here's the vision statement, or the mission statement. I said the vision statement. The mission statement. Just in case I threw someone off. Really? All right, so here it goes. Heartland Baptist Fellowship exists to equip the saints of God in the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. And then I've added on by the grace of God. I've added two things on as we go. So anyway, so that's the mission. It's very simple. And we, the whole point of that exercise is we don't have a new mission. Our whole mission is to do the mission. Right? It's very simple. Our job, our sole our soul, uh, mission here is to accomplish the Great Commission. Right? To do that with the great commandment of, uh, of loving God and loving others and offer that great invitation. Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. And bear the burden of taking the gospel light to the ends of the earth, making disciples that will take that seriously and accomplish the mission very literally. It's pretty simple to comprehend. It's another thing to do it. Right, and so that's the mission. The mission is very straightforward, but it's but we also have a vision, and the vision is not ours either. But the vision that God has is God's vision for the church, and it's pulled from Philippians chapter two and verse twelve. And if you have your Bible, I told you to go to Isaiah. Definitely don't leave Isaiah; keep a finger there. But if you want to follow along in the Bible, we're in Philippians two, and I'll give you the vision of HBF. God gave me this, you know. Uh, over 20 years ago. We just celebrated our 20th. It was before I was actually down here. It was I can actually remember it was uh, the fall of 2020 or 2001, about the time the Twin Towers were going down, uh, somewhere around that time. Uh, God gave me the vision uh, out of his word for this church, and it's right here in Philippians 2.12. It says, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now notice here, uh, we—that that is literally can be applied to each and every Christian, but also he says, beloved, he's talking to all of us, all of us that are saved. The church, you know, what? we together work out our salvation. We need one another. Unity is a big part of God's mission. It's huge. And so his vision here, that Paul is is getting, uh, that is now given to us. He says, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Can you see that in the church? That's the vision that God has for his church. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. We have, from the beginning, taken the Lord's Supper very seriously here at HBF. Why? Because I recognize that God wants unity in the body. And we haven't always been successful in that. Uh, because the devil wants disunity in the body, right? And our flesh loves what it loves. But at the end of the day, that's why it's so important that we understand this is not about us. This is about God's words, about his mission, his vision. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. right, so there's two sides of that. On one hand, we're to be blameless and harmless. We're to be sons of God. We know 1 John chapter 3, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Right? We're not part of this world. We're new creatures in Christ. God has given each and every one of us a mission in His church if you're born again. And so what is that to do? Well, we're to be shining a great gospel light. And we know that if the gospel's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Right? This is a combat situation that God has called you into. You are born into a war between light and darkness. So when God says his yoke is easy and his burden is light, that's not just meaning it's an, easy, it's an easy gig. What he's saying is that we are to be light-bearing creatures. But the light that we're shining isn't like lumens that you can measure. This is a spiritual light. This is a illumination that comes from the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, and our unity in the local New Testament church. When you put that together, the lights come on. It's like it's, it's like It's magic right? It's not magic. It's supernatural though. It's God's power. So when God, uh, when Jesus Christ resurrected, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28, the same place we get the mission before he downloads the mission to his disciples, what's he do? He says, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth. And then he turns right around. And he says, now you go ye therefore and teach all nations. He gives them a task that's bigger than themselves. And he says, you guys go But in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, oh, wait, don't go yet because you don't have the power, right? All power is given unto me. And he says, wait, in Acts chapter 2, all power is going to be given unto you, right? And so they wait till the day of Pentecost and the Holy Ghost indwells them. And that's the power. The Spirit of God is our power, the invisible person of Christ dwelling in us. So when you get saved, uh, you are spiritually circumcised. You, You have the indwelling Holy Spirit in you. And God is able to empower you to accomplish his mission in his power or his glory, right? And so that's an amazing thing. So when he says you're a light in the midst of a crooked, perverse nation, it just so happens that Heartland Baptist Fellowship is sitting directly in the heart of a nation that's growing increasingly dark. And so we have the, the opportunity to literally fulfill this passage, holding forth. How do we do that? Holding forth the word of life. You think it's an accident that God's given us an armory out back and that we're training men and women to go preach the word of God anywhere God will call, send us? No, that's not an accident. That's the mission of God. That's the vision that God has always had for his church. And if it's not our church, by the way, he'll take it to the, down the street to the next church, right? It's, it's not something we own. It's something we get to do until we're not faithful with it, right? So praise God, we own it because... Well, actually, by the way, Randy's going to be teaching on owning the mission, We own it because we take possession of it. But if we're not faithful stewards of it, God will repossess it, right? He'll take it to people who will steward that mission properly. And so this isn't like something that we have to do, right? This is something we get to do. Sure. woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. I've called to it. My life is dedicated to that and yours should be too. It doesn't matter what your vocation is. But at the end of the day, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to take the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to where it needs to go on time, to make disciples, to build churches. Praise God for that. So, uh, And so, man, I tell you what, Paul says, we need to hold forth the word of life that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. I pray that when we get caught up out of here in a few days or a few weeks or a few years or whatever, I don't know the day or the hour, but God's coming soon to take us out of here, that we can say, Paul, the church at Cass County in Harrisonville, Heartland Baptist, I'm not responsible for all the other churches in this region. I'm just responsible for mine, And when I'm stewarding. We did it the way the Bible said. We will hand off to you in the last century what God gave in the first century. I mean, that in a nutshell is what we're all about at HBF. We want to finish well. We want to run that race and get across the line the way God wants us to, to. So in the time that we have, I want to introduce you to the vision of 2022 and prepare us for observing the Lord's Supper next Sunday. So you do have your Bibles. You're in Isaiah 26, or left your finger there, or you're on page 961, which is Isaiah 26. And the verse, which we've already touched on a few weeks ago, is Isaiah 26.3. Thou wilt have him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. The context of this passage is, is that of Isaiah of receiving the word of God and, and looking forward to the day of the Lord, when all the enemies are conquered in Jesus Christ is the ruler of this earth. In Isaiah 26, 1, the Bible says, "It In that day shall this song be sung. In the land of Judah we have a strong city. Salvation uh, will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. Open ye, open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth truth may enter. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever." For the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Heavenly Father, I pray as we look into this, uh, this topic for just a few more moments, I pray, God, a blessing on the reading, the hearing of your word. I pray, God, all the things that we've talked about that deal with life and death at this point, Lord, would be set in, in perfect con- uh, uh, in union and in concert with the things that we're going to finish up with in regard to having perfect peace and our minds being stayed on you. I pray, Heavenly Father... Uh, that you would aid in my uh, remaining time, Lord, and I need you. Uh, Lord, I need you. And I pray, God, that you would help us understand and see the burden, Lord, of the word of the Lord, Lord, that we would be serious about praying and accomplishing the mission in your power for your honor and glory. I thank you and I praise you and I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, <clears throat> it is possible to be at peace um, Is it possible? This should be a question. I'm sorry. Is it? Po- it is impossible. Is this, I'm going to restate that. I'm getting a bad start. It is impossible to be at peace if we're not resting in the provision of the Prince of Peace. right? So if we're not resting in Christ, it's impossible to be at peace. So our vision for 2022 20, uh, is very simple. It is the seventh year of our seven-year planning cycle, and this year we simply need to be at peace, each and every one of us as a Christian, need to be at peace. I mean, James set me up. I don't think he knew he was going to do that, but he was talking about sitting around watching TV. Everything in this world is trying to draw you out of that place of peace. I've already spent Christmas time talking about the person of peace, right? Jesus Christ is that person of peace. So we need to be at peace uh, so we can deliver the gospel of peace as we prepare for the coming of the Prince of Peace, right? It's all about, we're in a time where we understand, I mentioned this during my sermon series on Jesus, that The opposite of what is the opposite of peace? See who remembers. What is it? War. The opposite of peace is war. Right? We're in a time where that is the, there's war in the culture, there's war here, there's war there. And you know who the people of peace are at a time like this? It's you. It's me. If there's going to be any peace found in this world, you're not going to find it on the news. You're not going to find it in the world. You're not going to find it with the flesh and you're not going to find it with the devil. True peace is only going to be found in one place and that's with the Lord Jesus Christ and his people. This house, this church ought to be a place of peace. This, 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 uh, this mission that God has given us is a mission of peace. We are offering peace terms as ambassadors for Christ. What we do at HBF as ministers of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians chapter five, is we offer peace terms to people who will be judged harshly and cast into the lake of fire if they don't receive the terms of peace. We are, we are desperately trying to get people to understand the grace and the goodness and the benevolent nature of God the Father so that they will receive the good news of God's grace while they can. Because if they don't, they will spend eternity separated from Him. Now, if we're going we're gonna to be on a mission of peace, we've got to be at peace. We've got we to be able to deliver what we're selling, right? Otherwise, we're a hypocrite. And so in a world that seems to be going mad, God has called us to peace. And we know from the scripture that peace is going to become a precious commodity, commodity, especially as we near the coming of the Lord. So let's be at peace. That's, our, that's what we're talking about. Perfect peace vision update. So be at peace so you can deliver the gospel of peace and be prepared for the return of the Prince of Peace. It's hard to be at peace when there's war all around. You know Psalms chapter 120 verse 6 says. My soul hath long dwelt with them that hateth peace. I bet some of you could say that. You ever grow up in an environment. Some of you probably grew up in an environment. Maybe you're in an environment like that right now. Where people around you just hate. They don't like peace. They want war. Always want to have strife. Always want to have division. Always want to have. have it's not a peaceful environment. Psalmist says. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. You know what? My soul has too. You know, your flesh, it loves war. It loves it. I am, I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Nevertheless, the words of God uh, that God gave to Isaiah were delivered as Israel was preparing to go into captivity. God was assuring Isaiah and the nation of Israel that he was good for his word. And if we simply rested in his promises, there would be peace, even in the midst of war. Today, the world is at war socially, economically, and based on the news reports, sabers are rattling and could be at war literally on two fronts. And if, there were, if, there was, if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus Christ, that could be very disturbing. But in the midst of times like these, God uses the light to pierce through the darkness to reveal the light of Christ. And, and if we are not at peace with God, we won't have peace in our homes. And if we don't have peace in our homes, guess what? We won't have peace in the church. And if we don't have peace in the church then there won't be peace in this land. And so it's really practical. Being at peace is a big deal. It, you think, well, oh, what do I got to do with it? You got everything to do with it. It starts with each and every one of us in our house, in, our, in this tabernacle, in our homes, and then this local church body, and then you know what? It, it just goes on out to the rest of the world. If we don't have it, we aren't going to be good ambassadors of peace. Point A for your outline. We understand that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I'm not going to tarry there. You know that Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder. It isn't there yet. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Prince, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6 is exactly what is being referred to in Isaiah 26 and verse 3 as well. So we understand that Jesus is the person of peace, right? He's the prince of peace, but he's also the person of peace. To bring that into the New Testament, Ephesians 2.14 says, He is our peace, who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There's that wall between you and God before you're saved. I remember what it felt like to be separated from God. Lost is the word the Bible uses. Separated from him, but when Jesus Christ Jesus Christ came, he broke down the wall, he took down the ordinances, everything, as James said, was nailed to the cross. So now we have access to God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our peace. If you're going to have peace with God, the Father, it's going to come through the Son. Point C, the world only offers the illusion of peace. John 14, 27, and some of this is reviewed from a few weeks ago, but John 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Jesus makes it clear that there is peace. Uh, There's a peace that he provides, and it's contrasted to the peace that the world provides. If we're going to have peace in our hearts, we're going to have peace in our homes, if we're going to have peace in the church, we're going to have peace in the Midwest, right, in our communities, in our culture, well, man, I tell you what, it's going to be provided through the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a false peace. Earlier I said you can't find peace in the world. You can't find peace in the flesh. You can't. But you know what? That's, what? that's what this world's all about is medicating. It's a false peace. If you look closely at that passage in John chapter 14, Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. The world has a peace, right? It's called medication. Uh, and there's all kinds of ways to medicate. And those are the things that we have to evaluate as we come to the Lord's Supper. What are we doing? What are we, what are we allowing in our life to medicate us, to bring a false peace? Instead of trusting in Jesus Christ and his word, his spirit, and his church to bring us true peace. And there's all kinds of things. We can, it can be, and it's whatever it is. It doesn't, it doesn't, I don't need to start naming names because there's, the names go on. It's whatever we're trusting to bring us peace instead of the authentic, bona fide peace of the Lord God Almighty. We have a whole Friday night ministry called Life Issues dedicated to people who have been medicating and trying to find peace with something other than the Prince of Peace, the person of peace, and the power of peace that comes through Christ. Right? And you know what? And if you don't come on Friday, you're no better. I mean, there's gambling hotlines for a reason. There's people that are obsessive shoppers for a reason. There's people that are into pornography for reasons. There's we can just go down the list. Alcohol. You just name it. What is, it doesn't matter. It, it is what it is, and we our flesh loves whatever it is, right? It might be too much chocolate ice cream at night. You know, whatever, but it brings peace. But it's not the peace of God. Now I'm not saying you can't have some chocolate ice cream in moderation. But the point is simply this. We seek things to medicate with that are not what God has prescribed. What's God calling us to? And so, the antonym for peace, as you've already correctly defined, is war. This world ought leads you into war with God when you offer when you take the wrong, the wrong when you take the wrong medication. Guess what? You become you end up at war with God. And so, we can't vacillate. We have to make a decision. God brings us to that point. Which peace are you going to choose? His peace. You guys, some of y'all are old enough to remember the 60s. I honestly don't, but I have read about it. So, right, that's what it was all about. Peace and war. You know, God actually used that time, didn't he? The Jesus movement came around and there was some, God got some traction. Why? Because there's a whole generation looking for peace. And so, you know, they went to Woodstock and got some reefer. But at the end of the day, they needed Jesus. You can't make, it doesn't go, you got to have the authentic thing. You need the real deal. You need Jesus Christ. But in a time of war, people are looking for peace. That's why the message we have is so important. So practically, how are you seeking peace? How are you seeking it in your home? Are you seeking peace daily in the word of God? How about here at church? I mean, are we actively engaging in advancing the mission of taking the gospel where it needs to go? Intentional gospel outreach. That's how we offer peace to this world. Are we helping others uh, in discipleship, in the word of God, finding the the person and the, the plan and everything you need for peace is found right here. This is the prescription for peace in the word of God. Are we helping others in that? Are we being intentional in that? Are we honoring Christ with our lives, are we at peace with him? Again, the Lord's Supper is coming up next week, and we need to do the evaluation today. So when you show up Sunday, man, you're ready to roll. You're ready to go. Maybe you need to be intentional about setting yourself apart, resorting to the Lord, taking a vacation, right? Taking a sick day where you can get along with God and, and get yourself straightened out. You know, that's what we do with addicts. When they're addicted to things of this world, sometimes you've got to set them apart. Starve them of that and replace it with something else. The worst thing you can do is try to, to let go of one thing without filling it with something else. You've got to fill it with the Word of God. That's what, this, that's what being filled with the Spirit's all about. The Bible is the mind of the Spirit. So we, we empty ourselves of those things that would control us and allow the Word of God to renew our mind. Now, there's a lot of, again, like the Garden of Eden, the liberty is there. We have liberty to do everything. I mean, we are, we're, we have, it's incredible the liberty we have in Christ. In God, it's all yea, right? Um, as far as, as far as doing his will. This Bible is full of promises, it's full of things that we can do. It's weird how we obsess on the things we shouldn't do, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. One tree they couldn't have, it, and yet they had all the other trees of the garden. There is so much in this book, so much for you. There's, You want to travel the world? Guess what? We got a plan for that called missions. You you want to have an exciting life? Guess what? The Bible has a plan for that. It's called ministry. I mean, God has everything that we need in this book. I mean, it's amazing what God has in his word, in his spirit, in his church. So practicing peace with God is just as important as possessing peace with God. I had a meeting with the leaders a few weeks ago, and I, I stressed that. It's one thing to, to intellectually know that you have Christ in you. He is the Prince of Peace. He's the person of peace. He's the power, all of that. But it's the actual act of, of being practicing peace. What does that really mean? It means we're like him. Now, that doesn't mean he wasn't all man, and he wouldn't throw down from time to time and overthrow some tables. That's not what I'm talking about. But he was at peace with God the Father, and that's what put him at odds with the world. If you're going to be at odds with the world, it should be because you're so tight with the Father. So we understand, point D, God's peace is always under assault. We already saw Psalms 120. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. You are in a hostile environment in many ways. And I know that many of us have been in various real battles, right? HBF, we got the seven realities of HBF. One of those things is we want to be real Christians that are engaged in real battle, battles, making real leaders, right? So we can affect real war zones. I mean, we want to be on the front lines of God's spiritual warfare. And those are really not the right terms for the culture we live in. I mean, that's like 180 degrees the opposite of what people want to hear from a church. But you know what? That's exactly what the church needs to be doing. If we're going along to get along, then we're in in trouble. But the real battles of our own lives, I'm, I'm talking about the medical battles. How many medical battles have we had in this church? Along with many people in the world. That's difficult. That's real. And we still need to have peace. Your peace is under assault. Spiritual battles; those are real. I literally just had a guy on the phone up here from our. He uh, he's a member. He hadn't been here in a long time, and I'm working with him. He's like, "Thanks for the verses, brother. You may be watching me right now. I hope you are, brother." He's like, "You got any more verses for me?" I send him. I got a hold of Ray's link, and I send him the link. I got all kinds of verses. They're right here. Right here. Man, God has got what we need right here in the local New Testament church. The Word of God, the local church, and the Spirit of God. It'll help you in your spiritual battles. You don't want to get isolated out there by yourself. You'll get destroyed. It's a warfare out here. And along with that, of course, comes emotional battles. I'm not privy to all these things. I just know how it is. There's people struggling with emotional battles. I've had my own emotional battles. Things don't go right. Maybe you had this vision and things aren't going the way you want. You're discouraged, whatever. Elijah was discouraged. It was emotional. You know what? When you're, when you're all in on something, you know, it can get emotional. Maybe something's not going right in relationships. That's not just a spiritual battle. It's not just a physical battle. It's not just a medical battle. Man, there's some real emotional battles. And you know what? God's the one that's going to pull you out of that. He's the one that's going to give you perfect peace. They're literal battles. We got soldiers right now deployed in our church. Literal, man. Only Jesus is going to get you through that. It's important to remember that Jesus is able to bring peace in the midst of your storm. In Mark chapter four and verse thirty-seven, Jesus is with the disciples. He's sleeping like a log in the Sea of Galilee, and the and the uh, of course you know the a great storm, a great wind comes. It says in Mark four thirty-seven, and there arose a great storm of wind and the waves beat into the ship so that it was so full. It was now full. I've got to wear my glasses. I'm sorry, guys. I'm trying to go without them, but I'm a mess. <clears throat> oh, now I can read. Amazing. Okay, and so there, there, there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full, full of water. And he, being Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Boy, that, that is pregnant with meaning. How is it that you have no faith? What is Jesus saying there? Well, he already told them earlier in the text they're going somewhere. He already told them they're going to go to the other side. They're worried about perishing. Did he change his mind? Nope. He says, well, you, did you not believe me? You thought this storm, just because our boat's full of water? <laughs> you know? Of course, the things around them, that's a, that's a normal response. But we, that's what I, I'd have been right there with them. But what he's pointing out to them is that I already told you that we're going somewhere. Beloved, that's what faith is all about. You're going to be challenged. People don't show up to your ministry event. People don't, things don't go the way you thought they were going to go. You know what? You still keep going because God's taking you somewhere. You don't get as many Bibles done on a Saturday as you wanted to get done. That's okay. You keep going because God's taking you somewhere. Right? He will get us where we need to go. You just keep going by faith, trusting him, because he will get you where you need to go. He's taken us home. He's taken us to a place of peace. But we've got to understand, we live in a war zone, and things go on. Winds blow, storms come, the boat rocks. It makes You sometimes emotionally feel like, man, this ship is going to sink. But the truth of the matter is, we're going to get to the other shore. Now, right now, I've got to tell you, as a church, as a whole, I feel like this church is in a, in a good place so I'm not I'm glad I'm not saying this feeling like our ship's about to sink. I don't feel that way at all right now, but I also got to be careful and 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 give God the glory. Amen. The reason our ship's not sinking is because of Jesus Christ. He's the one that brings peace to the house of faith, isn't it? Man, isn't that a blessing? You need something to be thankful for. And be thankful for the peace that God provides. In the midst of the storm, in the midst of the crisis, and he brings the peace. And so as members of the body of Christ, it's important that we keep the faith, both before the storm, in the storm, and after the storm. And I understand how disruptive spiritual warfare can be to our ability to have peace in our soul, but it's so imperative that we get a hold of this thing. And I, and I mean it. This year, let's all focus on being at peace with God because it's when we're at peace that we're able to offer the terms of peace to the world around us that doesn't mean your life's going to go smooth as silk because as a matter of fact it could get very turbulent if we haven't all learned anything in the last several years is there's a lot of things that can go wrong i know some of you are stressing over jobs you're stressing over this and we're stressing over that hey listen i understand it but let's let's help each other let's cast our care on the lord let's pray for one another let's look to jesus and remember he's taken us somewhere he's taken us somewhere this of all times is a time to come together in a community. Because the devil's dividing this thing up. And I do understand the disruption that comes with spiritual warfare. There are times when circumstances in our lives can seem to devastate us, they can be insurmountable. And there are real storms. But it's in these times that we have to remember Jesus is not only with us, man, he is in us of a truth. And he will guide us safely to the other side. You know It's helpful to recognize the phases of peace, and I'll be done I'm over. Let me just quickly give you these three phases of peace. This is something I've just got into uh, recently. I'll lay this on you. First, it's the calm before the storm, Revelation 8.1. Before God opens the seventh seal, there's silence in heaven for about a half hour. You know, before every big storm, especially in the Midwest, you get a little eerie, right? All of a sudden, it gets quiet. You're like, "Uh uh-oh. Here comes a tornado right behind it, right? You know, we know how it goes. There's an eerie calm sometimes before some of the greatest storms. In Revelation chapter eight, I'm not going to take time to read it this morning, but if we go over there and look at that, before that seven seals open, everything in heaven stops for the space of a half hour. As God's judgment's getting ready to be poured out on the planet. This happens before. The tribulation is finished and before the time of peace. Right? There's a storm coming. There's a storm coming. So there's that, there's that process. There's the calm before the storm, before God opens that seal. And this time precedes the, the thirds that will lead to the rise and fall of Antichrist as the angelic hosts and Satan are gathered on earth to play out the last three and a half years of the tribulation. The garden was the result of God's creative work after the fall of Satan. And God wanted to maintain peace. There, But Satan brought war. Before every great conflict is that last moment of peace before the bullets start flying. That's why Paul said in 1 Peter 5, 5 8, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He wants to devour you. But he's not the lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's just playing. He's just pretending. He's really a worm. And he's going to spend eternity as a worm. And people are going to look at him and go, is this the man that caused all this problem? And that's how his end is going to be. So keep that in, in your vision. Secondly, peace, Have peace in the midst of the storm. We already read about that in Mark four thirty-eight. Right in the middle of your storms, Jesus is there with us. And thirdly, peace that results from the victory over the storm. You know, the fulfillment of Isaiah 9, 6, and, and really the context of Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3 is dealing with that day when Jesus Christ returns and establishes his rule on this earth and will literally rule and reign in Jerusalem, that promised city that's spoken of there in in Isaiah chapter 26. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is peace coming. No matter how crazy your life gets, no matter how crazy this world gets, guess what? Peace is on the way. And you know what's cool about it is we already possess him. You have the peace of God. We've already seen it. Jesus Christ is our peace. So I pray that God gives each of us grace, no matter what phase of the spiritual war we're in, to be at peace. Because things kind of come in cycles. And and Paul said this in Philippians 4, in verse 6. He says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And when you do that, he says in verse 7, The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and your minds. Through Jesus Christ. One of the things that we can do today to ensure perfect peace is to make sure our prayer life is what it needs to be, that we're dependent on God, that we're praying, that we're serious about interceding. So how is our prayer life? Are we engaging in prayer like we ought? That'll go a long way to helping us uh, make sure that we ensure the peace of God that passes understanding, that goes beyond our circumstances, that goes beyond all the other things and provides that peace that only God can provide. So to be at peace with God, we must have the peace of God. And as we head into 2022, I'm looking forward to God giving all the perfect peace uh, that that we can handle as we go about the ministry of the the word of reconciliation. And frankly, uh, I'm looking past 2022 to 2023. There's new initiatives that I believe that God would have us do to reach out to our community. And I tell you, there's not a better time to reach out in our community than now. Last year we did that, that, uh, uh, for the first time we did the Easter celebration, sunrise service, outstanding. And man, why was that? Because we went by faith and we said, Lord, we just got to reach out and try this. And God blessed that. We're already preparing for our 2022 vision conference called Answer the Call. And I'm praying that God gives each and every one of us peace about answering the call to own the mission that Randy's going to be talking about. We'll be doing day sessions about it, the intentional gospel outreach. We're doing day sessions on that and really just us answering the call that God has given us. We need to be at peace with God so that we can offer the terms of peace to this world. The theme verse for the Vision Conference is going to be from 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. You know, I've quoted that verse for years, but if you go back and look at what is it. Faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. Is this a name and claim a gospel? No. No, it isn't. He's talking about preparing ourselves. Being sanctified, set apart, our body, soul and spirit, for the judgment seat of Christ. Beloved, it won't be long. And all this is going to be in our rearview mirror. Even if the Lord tarries is coming, it's still going to go by like a vapor. And man, we need to be preparing for that day, when we rule and reign with him, and when we rule and reign with him, it will be a time of peace. We're preparing for where we're going right now, and we're trying to bring as many people with us as possible. And so I've got more to say about that, but I'm going to hold on all that until we have a chance to get back together. Next week, of course, we're going to set aside time at 9 o'clock. I need you to be here on Sunday morning. We're going to have a, a financial update. I'm going to deliver a charge as well after that. And then at, at 1030, we're going to observe the Lord's Supper. So I pray that we're ready to come together and share that together. That'll be a great time. And then uh, and then we're going to be uh, fo- focusing the next week. I'll pick up uh, the the tail end of this and get a little bit more specific with some Details about where I believe we're going in 2022 specifically. So perfect peace. This is what we're talking about. Be at peace so we can deliver the gospel of peace and prepare. be prepared for the return of the Prince of Peace. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for the Lord Jesus. Thank you for this opportunity to gather together. Uh, thank you for uh, giving us time to set aside, to remember the sanctity of human life and how important life is. Lord, there is a war. It's been going on since Genesis chapter 3. before that genesis chapter one between you and the devil and uh, lord we are in the midst of this and we are on your side there's no there's no time for us to be uh, choosing up sides with the world lord help us to set our lives apart and be wholly sanctified to you lord faithful is he that calleth us who also will do it lord your purpose is fulfilled in our life your purpose is fulfilled in your church your purpose is fulfilled in this world It, it happens through the word of god the spirit of god and the members of the local New Testament Church of God. Lord, I pray, God, in 2022, that we would set ourselves apart from all the technology, all the other messages, all the other crises, Lord, to really focus in on what it is that we're here to to do and who we need to be to accomplish it. Lord, may we be the people you've saved us to be so that we can accomplish that which you've saved us to accomplish. To every man and woman in this room, Lord, every member of this church watching, Lord, I pray, God, that you would draw us into your perfect will. And Lord, that we would be ready to serve you with our whole heart. Lord, I thank you and I praise you for the opportunity to to love on you, Lord, to to exalt your word, Lord, to know you. Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you bless the reading and the hearing of your word this morning. I pray, God, that you bless these little children, Lord, that are born into this congregation, Lord, that we continue to provide an environment for them to grow so that they can be healthy, they can be at peace, Lord, that, Lord, we can be just a little taste of what's coming in the millennium right here at HBF. Lord, we thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. With heads, heads bowed and eyes closed, as we continue here in just a, for a moment, in a moment of prayer, I kind of started with the gospel and ended with the church. But if you can remember back to the sanctity of life, and if you're here this morning and you're like, Brian, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I have not given a really strong gospel presentation, but I need you to know that God wants you to be saved even today. So if you're here this morning and you say, Brian, I, am, I need to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I want to trust him. Uh, I don't even know what that means. I just know I'm convicted about it. We will come and help you with that. We will, we will, we will help you right now. Understand what that's all about. Uh, we'll, we'll walk you in the scripture so you can learn what the Bible says about what's called the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ so you can know, not hope, not guess, you can know that you have eternal life. Is there anybody here that says, Brian, I, wanna, I want to be, I take you up on that? Nobody looking around, please. Just raise your hand there if that's you. Amen. I don't see anybody this morning. Let's stand in an attitude of prayer. If you're here this morning, you're like, Brian, I need, to, I need to really straighten some things out. Lord's Supper's coming. Man, I encourage you to do that. If you're at all with a neighbor, your wife, your husband, man, get that settled. Uh, someone in the church, get it settled. Get it taken care of. Please, thank you. Do that for Jesus' sake. Do that for your sake. Do that for their sake. If you need to lay something on the altar, if you need to answer a call, maybe you need to get baptized, join this church, whatever it may be. You're welcome to jump out right even now. You can come and see Jason or Paige, and they'll be happy to to connect you and direct you and pray with you. Is there anybody this morning that says, Brian, I just need some prayer? Amen. Several of us. Heavenly Father, as we conclude in a time of prayer this morning, I I just I just want you to know, Lord, that uh, you're our peace. And we don't always acknowledge you as we ought. We don't. We're, we're like those disciples in the boat sometimes. We're Things are rocking us, shaking us. We feel like we're drowning and we forget that you're taking us somewhere. Lord, I pray to a man that each and every one of us would remember that, that you are mindful of us and that the hope that we need is found in the word of God. It's found in the mission of God. It's it's, it's found in the vision that God has for us. And Heavenly Father, I pray that our minds would be stayed, Lord, that they would be buoyed, that they would be anchored upon you. For you are, Ephesians 2 tells us, our peace. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for being our peace. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would offer the peace of the gospel, the peaceable fruit of righteousness to all those uh, that need it. Lord, I pray you would just energize us today as we go out. Lord, there's going to be 70,000 people screaming at the stadium today. Lord, I pray, God, that we could win 70,000 people to Christ. that would be awesome. Lord, I pray, God, that that there would be people entering heaven because of you just this week. Lord, I know some uh, some people have gotten saved, and Lord, I, I was thinking about how the angels are rejoicing. Lord, I praise you for the parents that are investing the gospel in their children. Lord, I praise you for the ministers here in this church that are taking the gospel everywhere they go to work. Uh, Lord, they're taking it to school. They're taking it to their friends. They're taking it to their neighbors. Lord, I pray, God, we continue to do that, and we continue to invest in discipleship, making uh, disciples of all men until you come for us. We thank you, and we praise you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.